So Money episode 1038, Erica Gerdes, founder of The Art of Undoing. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. When this first started in March, I had I had to excuse myself for my children and I went upstairs and I bawled my eyes out because I was scared. I was looking at the stock market. I was looking at the possibility that nobody, as you said, was going to be spending any money on anything. All of my speaking engagements were getting canceled, all of this other stuff. Well, if that doesn't sound like what you were up to earlier this month or last month, uh, consider yourself lucky. This time in our lives, you could describe it as scary, absolutely fearful, uncertain, unsettling. Our guest today is Erica Gertis, and you just heard her talk about how she initially experienced this pandemic. But as someone who designed a program called The Art of Undoing, Erica is in the business of helping people undo their limiting beliefs and reactive patterns to unlock greater confidence, joy, and impact. And guess what? Her business is doing better now than it ever has. People are flocking to her for her advice, and she'll be the first to admit Every day is not a breeze, right? She herself experienced just recently a panic attack over what was happening. She collected herself. But her background actually started at Google, where she worked for 12 years before leaving at the height of her career. Why did she leave? And subsequently got divorced, became a single mother, despite all of those challenges, was able to follow through on her mission to help people amplify their impact. But first, she had to work on herself. How did she do all of that? And how is it that her business is flourishing right now? We could all take some notes there. Here's my friend, Erica Gertis. Erica Gertis, welcome to So Money. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. I'm excited to share your work and your advice for our audience. You're an authenticity advocate, speaker, coach, writer. You have a program called The Art of Undoing, which is helping people undo their limiting beliefs and reactive patterns to achieve more confidence and joy and impact. And let's just start with where a lot of us are right now in this pandemic, our mindset Tons of limiting beliefs, right? We're yeah. losing our jobs. It's not really charging up our confidence levels. And so we're reining it in. We're not spending. We perhaps are adopting a scarcity mindset right now. Any advice just off the bat for those of us who feel locked from feeling like we have the potential to be successful right now? The first thing, and this has come up for me with so many of my clients, is to breathe and to really allow yourself to feel the emotion. I think so much of the time, and one of the reasons that this is such an uncomfortable time for so many people is we're kind of having to sit in our stuff and it's coming up to the surface in a way that we've previously been able to distract ourselves from or avoid. And right now we don't have that ability in the same way. And so it's really bringing 
um, to the forefront, these deeper fears that we have, these deeper challenges that have maybe been there for a long time, but which again, we were able to distract ourselves from or avoid or um, ignore. And so, you know, whether it's about a job or about bills or a marriage or whatever it is, I think being in a place of not trying to do anything to it right now, but allow yourself to feel that fear, that pain, that um, anxiety, and allow it to move through you is really truly the most important thing to start with. Because the more we try to like push it down and ignore it, the more it stays stuck there. And then, you know, once we're out of this pandemic, this, the, the issue is still going to be there. So this is an amazing time to really allow ourselves to move through some of the deeper stuff so we can be in a different place as we come out on the other side. The worst thing that can happen is paralysis. You get overwhelmed with all of the things you think you should be doing. You could potentially could pivot here, go there. Yeah. So I think you're right. I just breathed too while you were saying that. <laughs> you can forget to do that sometimes. We need reminders. It's true. <laughs> I want to let everybody know too that obviously if you've lost your job, the first thing you want to do is apply for unemployment, apply for the Paycheck Protection Program. If you're a small business owner, there's more money being infused into that federal program. And you know, obviously do those things, try to secure health insurance as far as getting scared about the what ifs and taking money out of your retirement accounts, stop investing, all these things that we do as sort of almost like a knee-jerk reaction to the fear of maybe months or years of this, uh, of this lack, take a beat. Yeah, absolutely. And just to add to what you're saying, um, we, our brains have this really amazing survival tactic, which is amazing in that we have survived. And it makes it really difficult for us to evolve and transform because we immediately, um, when we get scared, we go to worst case scenario. And so it's, you know, whether we're talking about in the middle of a pandemic or we're just talking about, um, potentially considering leaving a job or a marriage or, you know, any of the other things where we're considering a major change or faced with a major change, we immediately fear the worst. And so in a way to guard ourselves from that, we begin to panic and, um, and, you know, sort of retreat. And that, that inhibits our ability to really think clearly and make rational, good decisions. And we get so overwhelmed by that mountain that is there that we don't know which is the first step to take. Speaking of leaving your job, you left a very nice job at Google. You worked there for 12 years and there you were a global business executive. Talk about your decision to leave. And I believe that this laid the foundation for later becoming someone who gives advice to people on how to do that and other scary things through the art of undoing. And and so tell us how you made that decision and barriers that you overcame, emotional barriers. What really enabled me to make the decision to leave Google, you're right, I was there for 12 years and it was an amazing job. I absolutely loved my time at Google and I absolutely did not leave because I did not love it. It's because I found something that I loved even more, which was truly being able to help people make changes in their own lives and not be blocked by um, sort of this... Uh, belief that we need to be okay with okay, that, you know, it could be worse, that things could be, um, that, you know, there are always people out there that have it worse. The grass isn't always greener and things, you know, could, could be, I could risk my job and end up under a bridge. 
Um, but for me, the sort of the theme of, of how this all came together is that what I really realized is the more I undid the need for money to define who I was, the more I discovered who I am. And that didn't start with leaving Google. It actually started with my divorce. So the two things that set me up to be able to leave Google are the two things that sound exactly like the opposite of what would empower somebody to leave a big job. It was my divorce and where I lost half of my money. And then the following year where I was willing to spend a whole lot more money, both of those things taught me that I had been holding on to money as a way to be my identity. And, um, and that by being willing to let go of those things, I discovered a rich, a richness in my life that I had never had before. And, so I truly believe that what we experience is, is to help prepare us for what is to come. And for me, those two things were my divorce and what I call the year of Erica. <laughs> the year of Erica. <laughs> A lot of us right now uh, contemplating divorce. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> yes. uh, the, the, the polls are always like, what will the pandemic lead to? More romances or more divorce? And babies and divorces. Those babies and divorces. Um Let's let's talk about that a little bit. I'd love to learn um, specifically how your divorce made you stronger, and maybe something surprising and a surprising outcome from that divorce. Because I think that's a very scary for a lot of people. We don't get divorced because one, for some people, it's an economic setback, and they don't want that. And and two, I mean, it's just really painful. It takes years off your life. They say so. We just kind of keep status quo. What was your experience? Mine actually was that I discovered my life. Um, so just, yeah, starting there, just to give you a bit of context, most of my life, um, I have categorized myself as an overachieving, slightly insecure people pleaser. And most of my life, I realized when it comes to money was about accumulating and protecting money. And so in doing that, I lost myself. My college and graduate degrees were based on the path that could lead me to the most money. My career was based on what could get me a higher paycheck versus where my passion was. Um, and yes, I ended up an amazing company, Google, thankfully, which was truly a blessing. And at the same time, I was never really passionate about it, but I wouldn't risk giving up my lifestyle, this, you know, this life that I had built, this beautiful life I had built with a house in the suburbs and all the other stuff, because I didn't want to risk losing those things, um, simply to go after something I enjoyed. And so I had this experience about almost seven years ago now. My uh, infant, my second daughter, when she was born, was born with a tumor on her spinal cord. And when she was three months old, had a spinal neurosurgery that now thankfully she's okay and has recovered from. But I had a thought in the hospital that changed my life. And what I realized was that I had been waiting for my life to start, waiting for the time when everything was going to work out and I was finally going to be happy, fulfilled, and satisfied. And that the only way for me to become happy, fulfilled, and satisfied was to stop waiting and start making the changes in myself that I was looking for on the outside. And so what I realized in that moment is when I got really honest with myself, my marriage wasn't working. And so as I discovered more and more of who I was, I no longer fit in my marriage. And I remember sitting in my house one day and thinking, 
um, about getting divorced, contemplating it, like basically hoping that my husband wasn't going to come home because I didn't want to see him because I couldn't look him in the eye anymore. That's how, how bad it had gotten. And I remember making a list, um, as I sat there in my you know beautiful living room and thinking, can I afford to be divorced? Can I literally afford the bills? And then I caught myself in that moment thinking, can I afford not to? Can I afford to live this just being okay with okay for the rest of my life? Is that worth it? Is this trade worth it? And the answer was no. And so when I did decide to get divorced, the thing that was the scariest was that I had been the breadwinner and in my marriage and I had to be willing to let go of half of my money. And I di- what I didn't want to happen was I didn't want us to fight about money because that had been the thing that had basically um, exploded my childhood. My parents got divorced and they fought about money for years and it required that I testify in court and choose between them. And I didn't want to put any of my family through that. Do you think that being the breadwinner, the female breadwinner, made it harder for the marriage to thrive? There is a statistic out there that uh, when she makes more, there is a higher chance, a 50% higher chance for divorce. Uh, I'm sure there were a lot of comp, you know, complexities within your relationship. It's not just one reason why people get divorced, but do you think that having that economic uh, paradigm shift in your case, was that a stressor? You know, it's difficult to say because I didn't, we never really knew it any other way. When we first were together, he was making more money than I was. But I think, to be honest, he enjoyed the lifestyle that was created by our joint paychecks and the fact that I was making significantly more than he was. Um, at the same time, I think it was both a blessing and a curse. He was attracted to me because I was strong and confident and a you know hardworking, driven person who made a lot of money. And at the same time, that was probably exactly the thing that threatened him the most. And so as I leaned into and got more comfortable with really who I was after that um, realization in the hospital, the, those parts of me, that strength and the, the drive really came to the surface in a way that could no longer be ignored. And that's when our marriage stopped working. So I don't think it was a paycheck, but it's about the kind of person who makes that paycheck. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. So the art of undoing, tell us about how you transitioned from leaving that very cushy corporate job. And also you got, we were getting divorced and how did you build your career, your next chapter and, and maybe fill some of that financial gap because I we all know that starting a business takes a lot of investing in the beginning, putting money into the business before you make it. So talk a little bit about that period of time. I'd love to learn from you. Yeah. So um, as I mentioned, when I, when I got divorced, I actually lost half of my money. And so I didn't realize at the time that what was going to be my truth was to, that it was going to eventually be time to leave Google. Um, and so I really just started saving money and putting a plan into place for, um, sort of reinvesting in what I had lost and, um, kind of repatting my, my nest egg, so to speak. And so the next year, actually, after I got divorced, <laughs> I again, accidentally spent a lot of money, uh, in what I call the year of Erica. And what I was doing was finally, I had given myself permission to say yes to myself where all my life I said, no, that's not the responsible thing to do with your money. You don't need to go get a new car. You don't need to buy a new refrigerator. The other one works just fine. You don't need your house to look nice. It's 
fine. And instead I allowed myself to do those things. And what I realized was happening was it wasn't about spending money to find happiness. It's that in spending the money, I discovered what I truly wanted. And that is where I found happiness was in expressing my voice and expressing my creativity. And both of those realizations of discovering who I was and what I wanted are what ultimately led me to realize that what I now needed to discover is how I wanted to show up in this world. And so about two years before I left Google, I started getting really honest with myself that who, how I wanted to show up in this world was to, to serve and to help people change their lives. And so I started saving a lot of money and making a plan for how I could create a really long runway for myself. Because what I knew to be true was that I had spent so much of my life hustling. I did not want to hustle anymore. I did not want to make decisions from a place of panic in how I built my business in the kinds of work I took. I had to be making decisions from a place of passion because it felt so much better. And so by the time I left Google, I had created a long enough runway for myself that I was able to make decisions from a place of passion so that I didn't have to, you know, figure out a couple months into building a business. How am I going to make ends meet this month? But rather give myself that cushion to, to really discover who I am, because I had no idea what life was going to be like once I left Google. I'd never lived a life where I was expressing who I was in the world. I had always done the thing I was supposed to do and been the person I was supposed to be. And so it took a lot, that took a lot of work in inner work of really discovering confidence and embracing myself. And all of that required, um, going inward as opposed to expressing outward, which meant that I wasn't really making as much money to start with because I needed to do the work so that I wouldn't be hustling when I did. How did you know how much to charge? I think that's always the biggest challenge for people, especially coming from a background where they get a paycheck every two weeks from their employer and it's kind of straightforward thing. Whereas you're employing yourself and in a field where you don't have a lot of transparency, you can't go on you know, all the career building websites and find out what others in your industry are making necessarily. And so how did you arrive at what you were worth and what you should charge? Oh, that worthiness question is the hardest one because for me and for everybody else I know, we believe our worthiness is based on something beyond ourselves. And um, I, my value is based on how much value I drive or bring. And so this, this time of un, the art of undoing has really, for me, been about undoing those limiting beliefs that I am worth anything beyond just I am worth, period. I am worth being. Um, and so to the money question, that one was so hard for me. I was, I had, I, I closed hundred million dollar plus deals when I was at Google. Like I, I did a lot of business when it comes to me asking a person for money for that they're paying for my own services. It scares me to no end because it is this kind of um, expectation of worthiness. And so I had to really disassociate um, my worthiness with how much I was charging. And I was way more scared of asking for more money. Um, and so that's the thing I leaned into mo most. I knew my mountain was asking fewer people for more money than getting a whole bunch of people to give me a little bit. And uh, so that's what helped me sort of get over that fear a lot faster. 
you revealed something to me before we began taping, if you don't mind sharing with our audience now, is that you've had one of your best income quarters, months, despite what's happening in the world, everything's, the sky is falling. Um, Can you give us some advice about what maybe you're learning through that experience? Is it that what you're providing is just more in demand now? Or do you feel like you're really leaning into in some ways in a different way or in a better way, the art of servicing people right now? And conventional wisdom says no one is spending any money, even on self-improvement. And so what is your advice for those who are in the business of coaching and giving advice? So I'll be honest, um, when this first started in March, I had I had to excuse myself for my children and I went upstairs and I bawled my eyes out because I was scared. I was looking at the stock market, which is you know part of my uh, runway that I mentioned earlier. I was looking at the possibility that nobody, as you said, was going to be spending any money on anything. All of my speaking engagements were getting canceled, all of this other stuff. I had to, so when I said earlier, the first thing to do is like allow yourself to feel it. I had to allow myself to feel it so that I wasn't going to be reactive to it in the future. Um, Because if I allowed that fear to guide me, I was never going to make great decisions. And so I gave myself a good cry. I, you know, kind of recovered. And what I have realized and what I really, really leaned into is servicing in the biggest, best way possible. Almost immediately, I actually started offering um, free group coaching sessions as a way just to help people. And I promised from the very beginning, which is against, you know, what all of the online gurus say, I did, I was not going to, and I'm still not going to use it as a way to like pitch my services at the end. I really just wanted this to be value and give back because I absolutely believe that I believe in karma. (laughs) And I believe that what we put out into the world is going to come back to us. And the more that I have used this as a platform to really share this, this, this time as a platform to share the art of undoing, which is what we're all having to go through. We're all sort of being undone in the midst of this chaos. The more people are finding me and not from this group coaching that I'm doing for free, but from all of these other avenues where I'm just sharing and without expectation, that service is creating enough value for people that they want to then work with me. And it has really created an opportunity for me that I've never had before in terms of both my, um, you know, monthly earnings, but also I'm in the midst of writing my book and I have opportunities for future speaking engagements, things that wouldn't have been possible if it weren't for this time, as awful as it is. As hard as it is, I think if you are in the business of uh, servicing and providing advice and being a coach, it's all about putting yourself out there and letting your light shine and and expecting nothing in return financially for now. Nobody is spending money right now. But when people are ready to spend again, they will know who to spend with. And that is the person that stood by their side during the toughest times without any expectations. And And that is something that I'm trying to practice myself. I have a mini crash course that I'm putting together right now, how to you know manage a recession, totally free, no gimmicks, no upsell, no nothing, just here, take it. Because that is what I'm on the planet to do, right? Like this is, you know, I'm not here to just make money. I'm here to be in service of people first and foremost. And I love hearing that from you as well and seeing that it is paying off already. Absolutely. And I 1000% agree. Like I personally do not 
like joining those many of those free workshops where I know at the end, I'm just going to be hard pitched for something else in order to actually see the value. I really, truly believe in offering value upfront and everything I do, going back to what I said earlier, everything I do is about creating value and serving and living in alignment and doing things with integrity. And I know that no matter what, the more that I lean into that, the more it's going to come back, whether straight to me or through the rest of the world, eventually come back to me. And, um, I just, I, I, I believe that right now we all need more light. And the more that we can create that light in others, the more that we all shine. You are very generous, uh, Erica. You've actually put together um, a little website for us to go and get your free guide, ericagurdis.com forward slash so dash money. We'll put this link on the So Money Podcast website as well. But tell us a little bit about the offer. It's guide and it includes information on how to identify your limiting beliefs and steps you can take to unlock greater possibility today. You think this is applicable even now in this environment, perhaps more more applicable? I 100% see this as potentially even more applicable because again, when we're busy and when we're, you know, things are going well, that's not usually when we tell ourselves now's the time to make a big change. Now's the time to like do dig into the dirty work. It's usually when we're feeling kind of in our valleys at our lowest that we start telling or asking ourselves, why does this keep happening or what is it that I need to change? And so, you know, as things are sort of coming up and uh, it's harder to distract or avoid those deeper fears or issues that we're seeing in our lives, this is a perfect opportunity to use that awareness to go deeper and undo the power of some of those limiting beliefs that have always been there. Um, so that again, on the other side of this, you're coming out stronger and more flexible than you were when you went into it. Erica Gertis, thank you so much. I'm wishing you and your family health and wellness and prosperity in these times. Thanks so much for your advice. And we'll be sure to include the link to your free guide for us on our site. Thank you so much. Thanks so much to Erica for joining us. If you'd like the free guide that she's put aside for us, go to ericagerdes.com. That's E-R-I-K-A-G-E-R-D-E-S.com slash so dash money slash so dash money. I'll put the link over on the So Money Podcast website, but it's free and there's no upsell and it's really, really good. So just check it out and share it with your friends. In times like these, I want to really bring on individuals like Erica that are defying the odds, right? That are showing us how to persevere, not just survive, but thrive during these hard times. If you'd like to share this interview or download the transcript, go to somoneypodcast.com. And while you're there, click on Ask Farnoosh and let me know if you'd like to co-host with me, okay? What else you got going on? If you're not telling me you want to co-host with me, at this point, I might be a little insulted. Come on. Let me know you want to share the mic. I'd love to get to know you. I'd love to analyze some of these money questions with you. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. And I hope your day is so money. Money.